1: The following program contains graphic material,
2: including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh, and she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily. It's the Nicole Sandler Show.
0: All right, no uh, funny song to start things off today. I'm shaking. I'm so angry. I'm angry about a number of things. But to start with I just watched this farce of a session of the Tennessee House of Representatives that is anything but representative. And they are in motion, they just expelled one of three members, Democrats of course, in a in a Republican controlled house with a supermajority because they dared to stand with the protesters earlier this week who were protesting gun violence in the days following a mass shooting where six people were killed in an elementary school, including three nine-year-old children. And those fuckers, Republicans, said they broke the rules. We can't have that. Oh, no, they were disruptive. What is a gunman, woman, person going into an elementary school murdering people? That's disruptive. What they're doing is undermining democracy. They're saying we do not have a democracy anymore. Fuck Tennessee. I wouldn't set foot in there if it was the last place on earth. I am disgusted. Then on top of that, the smears against Rebecca Jones. Let me tell you something. Rebecca Jones was, is a public servant. She tried to expose the lies from the DeSantis sham of an administration and their bullshit reporting on COVID cases here in Florida. And for that, she's been targeted by DeSantis and his hit squad to the point where they arrested her months ago. This was a year ago already. And they came into her home With guns drawn, they pulled guns on her two children, her son, who was 11 at the time, and her daughter, who was, what, five? And now her son has been arrested this morning. Why? Allegedly, he wrote a note to some friends and threatened to shoot up a school. Allegedly. I still haven't seen attribution that that came from him, but even if it did, even if it did, yes, he needs help. I wonder why. His mother's being targeted by the government. That would make any adult freaked out. But a now a 13-year-old boy? And people are coming out of the woodworks on social media to smear her? I give up. I so want to stop doing this show because I'm sick of this. See what this country is coming to? I can't stand it anymore. Now I'm supposed to have John Nichols on. I didn't call him yet because I needed to get this out. I cannot believe what I'm seeing in this country. It's okay, Jackson. Jackson doesn't like it when I get upset. But my God, I'm upset. I I, I, you know what? I do need to get John Nichols on the line. Maybe he can talk me down because I'm shaking. I'm so angry. I'm so angry. I'm shaking. Physically shaking. So we're calling John Nichols of the nation. He's a national correspondent from the nation. And um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he can calm me down a little bit because I, I'm about as far from calm as one person can be.
3: Hey, it's John Nichols.
0: Hey, John Nichols. It's Nicole Sandler.
3: Hi, Nicole. How are you?
0: I, I'm, 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 I'm shaking. I'm so angry, John. I, I just can't believe what. Wa- I'm watching this, this hearing, not not a hearing. This this uh, witch trial in Tennessee, <laughs> where they just expelled oh, yeah. one member. For da- for for disorderly conduct for disrupting okay. a session because he stood with the protesters days after an elementary school in his district was shot up and six people killed, including three children. They expelled him because he broke their rules.
3: Well, it should not be lost on anyone that in the state where the Ku Klux Klan was founded
4: mm-hmm. uh,
3: back in 1865, you have political figures today, tragically, who don't seem to understand that when you expel an elected representative from a position in the legislature, you don't just disenfranchise that representative, you know their constituents. That's right. And so they are effectively, because two of these representatives represent predominantly black districts, they are disenfranchising, you know, tens of thousands, even That's into right. hundreds of thousands. Of black voters in in Tennessee, it's a it's something that everybody should pause and think about because it's much more than just a fight over guns, and it's much more than just a fight over legislative rules. This is a circumstance where you're effectively saying, if somebody passionately disagrees with you, uh, and you've got the majority, you can kick them out. Yeah, um, that's that pattern. If that becomes a national pattern. If that becomes something that is regularly done, uh, the damage to democracy. And I'm going to tell you, I say this on both sides, by the way. I think this is important to understand. If Democrats were kicking somebody out simply for disagreeing with uh-huh. them, and that's really what this comes down to. Yep. I would oppose that. Yeah, as would I. Because that's not what this is, yeah. though. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is, and, and that's, this is a dangerous game.
0: It really is. And I'll tell you something. There's even more to it. As you know, John Nichols, I live in Florida, hopefully for not too much longer, because this state, you know, DeSantis calls it the free state of Florida. Talk about an Orwellian term. This is the fascist state of Florida. You know, I, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the story of Rebecca. She's the woman who yeah. did the, the dashboard, the COVID dashboard, and, yeah, and tried right trying to expose the lies put out by the DeSantis administration on how many COVID cases we had in this state. And today, her son was arrested, her 13-year-old son. Now, allegedly, he wrote some disturbing email to some friends that threatening to shoot up a school. If that's the case, the kid needs help. That's horrible. However... His mother has been targeted for two years now by the government. they came into her home and pulled guns on her two children i'm guessing that would screw up a 13, an eleven year old boy to the point where he might make stupid threats and yet she is being ridiculed she is being targeted i I just it's opposite world I, I can't believe what's happening in this country
3: well yeah we've crossed a lot of lines and And maybe the best argument that we can make is that it is desperately time for everybody to dial it down. No kidding. A whole lot, right? Yep. And to try and get back to a point of rationality. And that point of rationality ought to be very simple, right? It is, um, we're going to have partisan differences. We're going to have ideological differences. Um, that's, That's real. And we can fight them out at election time. But this pattern of trying to uh, take it beyond the election, right? And if you don't win, you don't accept the election results. If somebody wins that you don't like, you try to expel them or disempower them or abuse mm-hmm. um, the, the the rules, the, the structures. This is a very dangerous pattern to get into because at the end of the day, both sides ultimately develop such a distrust of one another that it no longer functions. Right. And, you know, this is a chaos. And I think we have to also be honest about the primary agents of that chaos, and that's it's our Republican friends. That's right. And they're doing it for a reason, and that is because they don't have the majority. Now, in some states, in Florida, let's be honest, DeSantis won his reelection. But um, in nationally, if you look at the whole country, I mean, Donald Trump lost his first election for president by 3 million votes in the popular vote. He lost the second election by 7 million votes in the popular vote. And so the fact of the matter is that you've got a political party that does not try anymore to get a majority. They try to put together enough states, enough parts of the country where they get, uh, you know, a regional victory, and then piece that together into an electoral college win Mm -hmm. trying to do in 2020. And you know, this is, this is really, it's Nicole a crisis rooted in the founding of the American experiment, because when they created that electoral college, um, there I've read, I've written books about this. I've, I've read the history. Um, there were people who were well-intended there were people who were poorly intended. It's not to condemn everybody who wanted an electoral college, but the end result was they created something in the late 18th century that simply doesn't fit with 21st century democracy. And so you have a situation where um, you, we run the real risk as a country of regularly having presidents who didn't win the majority of the popular vote. That's right. And that's not something that you should want. Again, Democrats shouldn't want it. Republicans shouldn't want it. Nobody should want it to have the most powerful position in the world filled by somebody who isn't the choice of most of the people in the country.
0: Right. Right. And that seems to be what's happening. And 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 they don't care about winning fairly. Lie, cheat, steal, as long as you get the power, and then you take the power and you rule like a dictator. And that's what we're seeing now, and that's what has me so upset.
3: Well, I can understand you're upset. I don't... My read on this is that you are not alone, actually. Uh, This Tennessee thing has really captured the imagination of a lot of people around the country. And interestingly enough, in Tennessee, it's captured the imagination of a a tremendous number of young people. Yes. It's It's a fascinating reality that, you know, older folks, I think, sadly, too frequently decide that, well, you can't change things, right? They accept their circumstance for better or worse. Younger people don't do that. They look at the circumstance and they say, this is unjust. And they jump in and try to make a change. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's notable that a couple of these legislators that they're trying to throw out are quite young. Yes. And, and I think it's a, this is an important, it's an important juncture. Tragically, Nicole, we have important junctures about every 15 minutes in America. So <laughs> These days we do. It's, it's but, not the only one. You know, yeah.
0: John Nichols, I, inv- I asked you to come on today because... You know, thank God for the people of Wisconsin, that and the people oh, yeah. of Chicago. We had two positives in the last on uh, Tuesday in the two runoff elections, because I'm looking at the rest of the news that I delivered today. We have um, we have a Supreme Court justice who's been thumbing his nose okay. at ethics rules for a few decades now. We have the state of yeah. Idaho just making it illegal if to help a minor go to another state to get an abortion. We have... The state of Tennessee saying, uh, screw the will of the people. You were disruptive. We're stripping you of your elected office. And we have a a fascist governor in the state of Florida who's doing all these things all at once. I I, I, I don't know what the answer is, except Wisconsin gave me hope. Can you explain why the, the election of this Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin is so important?
3: Well, it's hugely important for uh, all sorts of reasons, both within Wisconsin and nationally. Uh, The Wisconsin Supreme Court for the last 15 years has been controlled by a cabal of right-wing judicial activists. They've used the court not to uh, interpret the Constitution or to apply the rule of law, but to serve as a rubber stamp for uh, conservative Republican governors and uh, conservative legislators. And as a result, Wisconsin has a whole bunch of laws and structures that have been put in place in clear violation of the rules of the legislature, uh, clearly questionable as regards constitutionality, clearly questionable on a whole bunch of uh, levels, but the court has continually accepted them. Now, finally, um, what was a 4-3 conservative majority has been reversed with this election, Going forward, we'll have a 4-3 liberal majority. What that means is that this court, when issues of reproductive rights or labor rights or civil rights or civil liberties come before the court, and all those issues are very much in play in Wisconsin, the court will be able to rule, um, I think, fairly. On behalf of of the interests of the great mass of Wisconsin, that's a huge thing, right in, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But the other element, Nicole, is that Wisconsin is the most radically gerrymandered state in the country. Um, most of our legislative districts are non-competitive because they were drawn in a way to dramatically benefit the Republican Party. The same is true of our congressional districts. If this court chooses to take up the issue of that gerrymandering and the current maps were approved by the previous court. So it's a legitimate area for them to work in. If they were to take up those, those gerrymandered maps and order a redraw or perhaps do a redraw of the maps themselves, both for the legislative and congressional districts, that could completely change the political dynamics of Wisconsin because Democrats would have fair elections, might well be able to take control of the legislature and It would change the national dynamic because uh, as many as two, some would say even three, congressional seats could be, with fair elections, shifted to the Democrats. Mm -hmm. With the U.S. House so closely divided, that means that Wisconsin alone could contribute mightily to a possible flip of control of the U.S. House. The final thing, Nicole, is that Wisconsin is the most closely contested battleground state in the country. Of the last six presidential elections, four were decided by under 25,000 votes. What this means is that uh, again and again, we've had recounts and challenges, and those recounts and challenges go to the courts. Uh, In 2024, with all of the uh, really just machinations, chicanery, serious concerns about democracy, it's very much possible that a close election could go to the Supreme Court. If you had a 4-3 conservative majority, There is the real chance that that court might have ruled on behalf of, you know, Republicans who wanted to overturn an election result. Now, with this 4-3 liberal majority, it's I would argue that Wisconsin is pretty well assured that it won't have any of that kind of those kinds of shenanigans, basically, that you saw in 2020. So a lot changed with one vote.
0: Right. Um, John Nichols, can you tell us? About um, the now newest Supreme Court justice for the state of Wisconsin, because listening to the uh, speech that was not a concession speech from the, the guy yeah. who lost, um, I would think she's going out and, you know, kidnapping babies and, you know, doing everything that that uh, QAnon says Democrats do. She's
3: she's the cannibal, right? She's well, eating no, kids. No, um... Actually, she is a. Uh, she's kind of a, a classic Milwaukeean. She's, she's born and raised in the city of Milwaukee, Wisconsin's largest city, in a very working class neighborhood. Um, she was a smart young woman, and she worked as a waitress and put herself through college, and then uh, continued to work as a waitress and then uh, working as a for a nonprofit, um, and put herself through law school. Well. When she finished law school. She went to work as an assistant district attorney, and for the better part of 25 years, she was a prosecutor, um, and very respected as such. One of the best, one of the better prosecutors in, in Milwaukee, working on every kind of case. Um, then she was elected to a judgeship. She's since been reelected to that judgeship by an overwhelming margin, uh, and now she's won a Supreme Court seat by an overwhelming margin. So the bottom thing, bottom line thing to know about Janet Protasewicz is she is. A, uh, a career lawyer and jurist uh, who is not 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 a scandal-plagued or controversial figure at all. Hmm. Um, they certainly tried to dig everything up from her divorce to, um, you know, they looked at individual cases that they thought were horrible and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, the people of Wisconsin looked at her and they said, you know, look, uh, everybody, everybody, may, every judge who served in, in a tough court has had a few cases that may be controversial. She did. And uh, many of us have had relationships that didn't didn't stay together and, and ended perhaps in a difficult way. But the bottom line is um, this is this she's Jennifer Prosiewicz is a, a just a real Wisconsinite and a very skilled lawyer and a very skilled judge. And she is now going to be a state Supreme Court justice. And and by every account, she will serve honorably and well. And so the attacks that her opponent launched on her, especially in that bizarre so-called concession speech, are are just simply absurd. In fact, if anything, it is the opponent, uh, Dan Kelly, the very conservative uh, candidate, who is far more scandal plagued. He worked for the Republican Party uh, during the period when they were trying to overturn the 2020 election results. He was a lawyer for the party. Um, he had many ethics challenges and scandals when he was on the state Supreme Court, uh, briefly, he was an appointed appointee of Scott Walker. Uh, and then before that, uh, he actually went and defended the gerrymandered maps in court on behalf of the Republicans. So he's a hyper partisan, hyper ideological, um, political activist who was trying to get on the court once more, uh, not to serve the rule of law, or the constitution, but to serve the corporate and political special interests that have sustained him throughout his legal career.
0: You know, and I'm trying to, you know, parse this all in my mind. I I hear his speech. This is just for those who didn't hear it. Here's a few seconds of it.
2: And it brings me no joy to say this. I wish that in a circumstance like this, I would be able to concede to a worthy opponent. Murmurs. He didn't
0: have a worthy opponent to which he can concede. And then he goes on to smear her for the next, I guess, couple of minutes. I don't know. I never got very far into this because I was so disgusted by it that I turned it off. But this seems to be where we are today. And John Nichols, you've covered politics long enough. Do you remember when there used to be. Uh, I don't even know how comedy like like respect from both sides. You can disagree without lying about the other one, without smearing the other one, without, you know, turning everything on its head. I think this whole country has gone mad since since Donald Trump entered politics.
3: Um, I I think you're right. And, you know, look, there have been um, ugly and and bitter concession speeches in the past. I mean, people of course remember Richard Nixon's you won't have Nixon to kick around anymore speech from 1962, but, um, I've never seen anything like this. Me this wasn't a, you know, kind of an outburst or one line that, that, you know, was maybe inappropriate. This was an extended speech, um, clearly prepared, clearly intentional, uh, in which he took the bitterness of the campaign and brought it into the post campaign period. Uh, it, it's very damaging as regards you know, something that you want in politics, which is the healing of differences after someone wins an election. And it's also, I, I think, frankly, it made Dan Kelly look pretty bad. Because, yeah. You know, he got beat. He got beat by 200,000 votes, more than 10% of the vote. It was a, he got wiped out. And instead of saying, you know, look, the other side prevailed. Um, clearly, this is what the people want. He, can, he could even have said, I disagree. I, I wish it had gone another way. But to to kind of maintain the vitriol of the campaign into the post-campaign, I think it tells you a lot about what has happened in our politics. It also tells you a lot about um, how some candidates uh, think they're privileged, right? Yeah. They think they're owed the position they run for, and if they don't get it, they think they were cheated. Right. That's what you had with Donald Trump, and I think that's what you got with Dan Kelly.
0: Absolutely, and the projection. You know, the the, the when I was a kid, it was— I'm rubber, you're glue, everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. But it's, it, this is like the the adult version of that. It's projection. All the shit they do, they're saying this is what the Democrats do. Well, right. no, yeah.
3: really, it isn't. It's projection. Yeah. That's what it is. Right. And, you know, clearly, uh, the what you got here it, with Dan Kelly was a guy who had a lot of scandal associated yeah. with him. And, the you know, the, again, working for the Republican party during the period as a lawyer during the period when they tried to overturn the Wisconsin election results with fake electors, Uh, something that's still being investigated, something that's still a subject of great controversy, um, representing the Republican party when it imposed anti-democratic gerrymandered maps on the state of Wisconsin, um, serving on the state Supreme court and uh, recusing himself from a case, then uh, getting major donations from somebody involved in the case and unrecusing himself, going back in to deal with the case. Um, You know, it's all of this came out during the campaign. Dan Kelly thought that these were unfair attacks on him. Uh, The people of Wisconsin, clearly by a 10% margin, felt that they were fair Mm criticisms, and they voted for Janet Persewitz.
0: Janet to Purtis- Purtis- say Is that that's how you say her name? say Woods. I've been screwing it up all week. So thank you for yeah, that.
1: Everybody, <laughs> everybody struggles
3: with it. I'm amazed by how many people have learned it.
0: Right. Protasewitz. I- I'll get I'll get there. John Nichols. Uh, my husband's David Sloan. He's here. Uh, he comes in every now and then with a burning question and he he points to the microphone. And it's like, OK, So, David,
4: John Nichols. Hi, John. Nice to meet you. Uh, I have a soft spot in my heart for Wisconsin. used to go to summer camp in Webster anyway, um, before Nicole Uh yells at me for taking up too much time. um, You were talking earlier about having studied the history of the Civil War. The period before the Civil War, when the Democrats were the assholes in favor of slavery and the Republicans were anti-slavery, the Democrats instituted a policy of vote nullification, which is effectively what they did with Lincoln's uh, election, Uh, before they seceded and this is just a continuation obviously the parties have flipped because now the Republicans are the slavery favoring assholes and I know they would go back to it if If they they had a chance in a heartbeat and this is what they're doing and they're doing it all across the country it's like fine you want to get out there and work your tits off to elect somebody fine we'll just nullify your vote by by neutering whatever they're able to do or in the case of the shithole state of Tennessee and Nicole knows I have a history with that fucking Piece of shit state. Um, in, in that case, we'll just kick your representatives out.
3: He's passionate. Well, <laughs> yes, without a doubt. And look, we are in a period right now uh, where the this extreme partisanship and this uh, kind of sense that that uh, it's winning at any stakes politics in every state uh, and in every circumstance. Has really it's, it's altered politics. And I think that Democrats uh, are a little bit slow to recognize that they're not playing the same game anymore. Right, um, They are up against, in many places, Republicans who do not have uh, a respect for the basic premises of, of democracy for democratic institutions. And uh, you're seeing that in Tennessee, which is a, a really nightmarish scenario because You know, this isn't the first time people have been expelled from legislatures for their political beliefs. Um, Back in the 19-teens and 1920s, socialist uh, legislators were in many cases expelled uh, by the legislatures in which they served simply because they believed in uh, a different economic view. And so this has happened before. There's no question of this. But the notion that the major parties, one of the major parties, would be expelling members of a state legislature simply for supporting a protest yeah. and, and, and a peaceful protest or, you know, reasonably peaceful protest as best I can understand Yep. Um, by young people who were saying they wanted the legislature to address gun violence. I mean, this is, I mean, we're through the looking glass here. When yep. you're kicking people out for saying that they want to have the legislature debate, about violence right. and about gun violence, that, that's absurd. It, it is absurd.
0: And, and John Nichols, so I'm sitting here. I have the Tennessee House debate up on a screen. I'm looking at it. And Gloria Johnson, who is the second one now who's being expelled, is speaking. And I'm not even hearing yeah. what she's saying. What's even more disturbing are the comments in the chat on the right side People are unhinged. It's all about we're going to get you. You, you know, good for you. What are you going to do the rest of your life, Johnson? I mean, it's just the nastiness coming out of here is just so disheartening. I really, I, I, I don't know that we can come back from this.
3: Well, um, I think we can come back from it because we have in the past. Okay, um, we've been we've been more divided, uh, at least as divided. The run up to the Civil War, as your husband notes. Was a time of uh, of jaw-dropping division in this country, Mm -hmm. and and to the extent that there was stability, and there wasn't much, um, to the extent that there was stability, it cloaked uh, really dark and and really cruel and and violent uh, patterns in the country. The truth of the matter was, we were headed toward a civil war, and and we got it. Yeah, Um, and people were beaten on the floor of the of the U.S. Senate. Um, So we've had we've had as ugly or uglier times. We had it um, during the Palmer Raids and the, uh, the assaults on civil rights and civil liberties in the late 19 teens, early 1920s. It was a, a brutal time where people were um, jailed, including a presidential candidate, Eugene Victor Debs, simply for opposing World War One. Um, you had it in the 1950s, really an American Inquisition, a situation where people in Hollywood, people in um, you know book publishing, all sorts of other industries were uh, literally run out of their job, right. in some cases run out of the country, That's right. because they took differing views. So if we understand that, what we should know is that we often have these terribly divisive moments, and, and often they're tied to politics and elections. And then the history of the country is that we come out of it, that, we, that there's a recognition that this has gone too far. Now, uh, I don't want to be Pollyannish. I think a lot has ter- changed. We now have the, the impact of social media, uh, and a lot of other factors that we didn't have in the past. And we're going to have to wrestle with that. We're also going to have to wrestle with the reality that there are very powerful interests, big money uh, in our politics, that often seek to exploit these divisions for political purposes. Yes. And, and so it's not going to be easy. Um, and I think you do need dynamic leadership to, to challenge it. But I don't rule out the possibility that we'll get that dy- dynamic leadership. And then ultimately that as a country – we will have that moment of recognition where we realize, you know, we've gone off the deep end. And, um, and again, I would point to the Wisconsin result as evidence of that because the fight in the Wisconsin Supreme court race was a brutal, bitter fight. Um, The Republicans threw everything they could and the conservatives, everything they could into this race. They spent tens of millions of dollars. They ran a brutal, uh, cruel, often dishonest race and they got beat. And they got beat badly in a battleground state and so take a little bit of encouragement from that and hope that that, that expands out to the rest of the country
0: really no kidding uh john nichols i, I appreciate it you've talked me down a little bit i've come to the belief <laughs> and that that it's the young people do you know what the numbers are how many how big a percentage of the the the, the youth vote as it were came out and made a difference in wisconsin
3: oh, it made a huge difference in wisconsin um it, you know, Janet Perkins was one by a large margin. So um, it, it wouldn't necessarily say that young people were all of that margin, but they were a significant part of it. We had way bumped uh, turnout on the campuses across the state. In fact, in places like Eau Claire, Wisconsin, at the University of Wisconsin campus there, there were lines out the door. People were waiting to vote. Same thing happened in Madison at the big campus of the UW. And so there's no question whatsoever that young people were a major factor in this, they voted at, at way higher than usual levels. And there's one other subtlety of it, which I think is significant. Um, I, I don't think there's any question that a tremendous number of them were drawn to the election by concern about reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. I think that, that abortion rights were a huge factor in this election. It was a stark contrast. Janet Protossay was a strong supporter of women's woman's right to choose. Dan Kelly, a strong critic uh, who was supported by all of the major anti-choice groups in the state. Uh, people saw the choice. They knew it. And I think especially among young people, there was a, a disproportionately high turnout of uh, young women, especially, who said, I'm just not going to go back. I'm not going to let this be our reality. And, and again, beyond that, saying they wanted a court that would defend the right to choose.
0: Right. Uh, John Nichols, uh, find him at the nation at uh, Nichols Uprising on Twitter. You're still on Twitter, right? Um, I (laughs) I haven't been run out yet.
3: Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I guess we don't give up the ground. Um, John, thank you so much. It's great to talk to you. We could keep going. I I do have a guest, you know, my regular Thursday, but thank you. Thank you for the information. And Wisconsin, thank you. You give me hope when very little else does right about now. So,
3: We're so glad to be the North Star shining in your direction.
0: I'm so glad you are. Thank you, John. Uh, Always good to talk with you. you. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye.
3: No trouble. Talk to you soon. Uh,
0: Okay, bye-bye. John Nichols, everybody, um, at The Nation. And, um, yeah, you, you should be reading him all the time. Okay, I'm late to get to Howie. So, with no further ado... Um, who's got the uh, the Dirty Debbie's today?
2: Are you a multinational corporation hungry for a treat? Well, come on down to Schmucky Chuckie's, where you'll personally be seated by Chuck Schumer himself. So many dishes, and they're all fresh. You're going to love our Blue Dog special, the Dino Burger, because we say so. A good hamburger and French fries. And every burger comes with a side order of grits. I love grits. I love anything with corn. It's corn All for only $50,000 Wash it all down with a dirty Debbie Nine-tenths water, one-tenth oranges. After a week or two, you drink this, it's 200 calories and it's acetic. And wipe your mouth with a tissue print of Glass-Steagall For dessert, try our DNC tarts little cookies tell the quality of that most restaurants give you a mint but at schmucky chuckies you get complimentary sweet and low who picks up the tab for all this find out now with howie klein of downwithtyranny.com on the nicole sandler show yo howie klein hey hey
0: hey hey how are you i'm
2: good thank you how a about-
0: I'm, I'm still a little crazy. I've been watching. I, I made the mistake of watching the live stream of the Tennessee House of Representatives as they're expelling three members because they were disruptive. And they stood with the kids who were demonstrating, protesting against gun violence in the days following a mass shooting in which an elementary school was shot up and six people killed, three of them nine-year-olds. Wow! Yeah, so they're on the second one now, and even more disgusting than these Tennessee uh, members of the uh, uh, of, of this Tennessee legislature, the, the the Republican members of the legislature, are the um the the right wing the, the the chatters in the in the YouTube chat room. They are like the 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 worst people in the world. They are just nasty, mean, horrible. It's just awful.
1: I bet. So tell me, is every Republican voting to
0: expel? Yes, every Republican is voting to expel. They're, they've had one vote so far. I'm afraid to bring it up again because I read the chat and it, it just, it, it I start shaking. Um, oh, yeah, don't. Yeah, and, and um, the last, it was like 73 to 23. Again, because they, the Republicans have a super majority and they're all voting to expel
1: these people.
0: Now, the first guy. So
1: not one Republican not doing it every is doing it it's as far not-
0: as I can tell I don't hold me to that I could be maybe one did I don't know because they're not putting up those numbers they're just saying how many yes how many no and it's it's like seventy three to twenty three in that area
1: so and so you don't know if any demo no, I'm sure no Democrats are, are voting to, to
0: expel no no Democrats are voting to expel this is it's it's really sickening I mean these are duly elected people and this small group of representatives is saying, well they broke the rules, we have to expel them. Now if we had that rule in Congress, all of the republicans who stood with the insurrectionists would be expelled as well,
1: right? Hey, hey, well, we do have a rule like that. They just ignore it. <laughs> they ignore it.
0: Right. I, I it's it's astounding to me. It's just astounding that this is happening. Yeah. I don't I, I as I've said on social media a few times in the last 48 hours what year is this, and what country is this? Because I don't recognize either one
1: The country is Tennessee,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that says all you need to know. It's Tennessee yes, it's frightening. well
1: and again, I mean we I can't say this often enough that it's not enough to just blame these uh these members of the legislature. The real problem is the people who elect them
0: That's right. That's right. And it's those same people that I'm seeing in the chat room. And I can't believe the stupidity. But, you know, when they're killing off public education like they're doing here in Florida um, and they're doing it around the country, this what do you expect? This is what you get. And Trump famously said, I love the poorly educated. Yeah, that's because you can more easily control them.
1: Yep, And that's who voted for them.
0: That's right. And so this is who they are. And I'm afraid their numbers keep growing because, you know, I don't know, misery loves company. I don't I don't get it. Although I am taking some solace knowing that the young people are out there. The kids that organize the walkouts in schools around the country this week. I spoke to one of them from Florida here yesterday. She was amazing. This young woman named Alexis Dorman watch out for her she's she's going places thank goodness in wisconsin they came out and elected the liberal supreme court justice for the state saving democracy for wisconsin and possibly the whole country
1: you know wisconsin is a um is a 50 50 state yeah and the, the democrat won by 10 points So, I mean, that's amazing because that doesn't usually happen in Wisconsin. Usually whoever wins, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, wins by a point or two. That's right. Uh, For her to have won by 10 points over this well-known MAGA Republican who, even though Trump tried to claim that the reason he lost is because he didn't have Trump's endorsement, Trump did endorse him the last time he ran. So uh, and and he was he was a well-known Trumper. I mean, he was one of the people that organized the alternative uh, electors electors uh, who were going to throw out the legal electors and and claim that they were the electors so they could elect Trump uh, in the Electoral College. So so this is a real Trumper, and he lost. And, and why did he lose? He lost because he was a, a, associated with Trump. That's right. You know, people come up with all sorts of other reasons and that are valid as well. Uh, you know, uh, abortion was a very, very, very important issue in this. And, you know, people, who, you know, a majority of Americans don't want to see abortion uh, made illegal. And that is exactly what was happening in, uh, it is illegal in, yes. in Wisconsin. Right and uh and she Janet said she would you know turn that around yep. and she can do it now and, and, and you, that has a lot to do with it exactly. and then the other factor Greg Sargent made a big point today that the, the whole idea of democracy was an important factor in this election as well because uh you know one of the things that she promised was to look at these gerrymandered districts and uh and and that that goes right to the root of democracy we're talking about a 50-50 state where the Republicans have um, veto-proof majorities in both houses yep. of, of the uh, of the state legislature because of the way they drew the districts.
0: Right. So, and, and, you know, I just had John Nichols on before you, John Nichols of The Nation, whose family has been in Wisconsin for like seven generations. I mean, he's a Wisconsinite through and through. And what he said, it's the youth vote. He said the the college campuses were overwhelmed with kids voting he said they came out in droves and i've been saying this all along the kids are going to save this country
1: we you know because not, I mean that's Dane County. so that's Madison mm-hmm. and Dane County, and they, they it was it, that it was that turned out with that, that Dane County had the biggest turnout of any county in, in the state, more even than Milwaukee County. But both of those counties had gigantic turnouts, and they were they were blue turnouts. However, I I wrote today. I did a lot of research. There are, there were I I don't remember if it was five or six counties in the in the southwest corner of Wisconsin that I wrote about. And those, those counties, all of them, every one of them had voted for Trump in 2016 and Trump in 2020. And all five of them voted against the Trumpist candidate this time, they all went to the Democrat. So, you know, that, so here we're talking about something that's not necessarily, uh, you know, what you you would expect, which is what, um, what you were just saying about the young people. These are white rural counties that are Trumpist and they are sick and tired of this bullshit with the MAGA extremism and they went Democrat.
0: Yeah, good. And hopefully more of that will happen as they keep trying to take away our rights. I mean, today what I had to report on, you know, I do this, this what's news, uh news report every morning. And today it was one thing after another, Idaho just made it illegal for anybody to help a minor cross state lines to get an abortion. Uh, Clarence Thomas has been skirting ethics rules for decades and thumbing his nose at the rule of law because he's above it, don't you know? Um, Nashville, I, I mean, everywhere you turn. North the Carolina. Clarence Thomas
1: thing, the, that, the Clarence Thomas thing, if you just read the headlines, it seems like he took a couple of uh, plane rides. Right. But when you get down into it, it wasn't a couple of plane rides. It was millions of dollars worth of, of gifts uh, that he that he took from billionaires Over two decades so he should be he should you know he should be out of there uh, <laughs> immediately they they i don 't know how they 're going to do that i mean it 's impossible actually to do it but he it, it's it's obscene that this guy is in this on yes, the supreme Court one obscene. more day.
0: Exactly. And yet, can I just say this? And I I can't prove it, obviously, but you know, it's true. If it were a Democrat who did this shit, they'd be out of there in a heartbeat. And the Republicans would be calling for his head on a platter because that's how they are. Except when it's one of theirs, they'll go to the ends of the earth to, to protect them. Trump, grab him by the pussy. Oh, that's okay. He didn't really mean it. Give me a fucking break! And then this this woman, or is it that's the, the, who was elected to Congress from North Carolina? What the hell was it? Congress or was it? What was this? The state no, no. So that was the, the state, state legislature. House. State legislature uh,
1: from a blue district, uh, like overwhelmingly blue district. Yep. And she was, you know, she she wasn't like a real, real crazy Republican type Democrat. She was, she was moderate. She voted with the Republicans more than she should have, but by changing parties now because she said she was offended by the Democrats, by changing parties, that's it. You know, the governor was was all there was between uh, between all these extremist Republican bills that had passed, and they all they need, the Republicans needed just one more vote to get to get all this stuff to pass. Over the governor, they could now override the governor. They've tried to override the governor before; they weren't able to do it. Now that she's a Republican, that's the end, including of abortion. That's it. Right. That's what she just did after yep. her whole life spent. Uh, voting for Women's Choice, she is now allowing her state to become 100% uh, anti-choice.
0: What the hell is that about? I, I'm just, I don't understand somebody who would do that. You go to the trouble, the expense to run. You say you're one thing and then you get in office. Oh, that's what the Republicans do.
1: I get it. And I wrote about uh, 12 blue dog Democrats yesterday or the day before yesterday uh, who who were elected as Democrats and, and then became Republicans. Yep. Yep. Then that's in Congress. So these, including the people that started the Blue Dog Caucus. So you tell me that, uh, you know, we've got to, you know, we've got to back these, uh, you know, right, right wing Democrats for the sake of whatever. And no, you don't, because they eventually they become Republicans.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So, Howie Klein, you know what I do when I get crazed like this? I'm so angry. I'm shaking. I, I feel like there's no hope for the future. I just hate everything about politics. You know what I do? Music. Music. I turn to music because music I got it right. heals. And so. Um, I want to ask you. But uh, we we lost a, a giant of the music world this la- this week. Um, I did not know Seymour Stein, but uh, certainly I knew of him. He was Sire Records was exploding when I started in radio, and I, I got into radio in college in 1979, and it was the Ramones, and it, you know it, it was a, a lot of band Talking and Heads, Pretenders, Talking Heads, Pretenders, right. right. All of that and music I still love to this day. That all came through Seymour Stein and Sire Records.
1: That's you right. worked for him. That's right. Uh, I had my own little label, Four One Five Records, in San Francisco, and I w- I went to um, um, something called the New Music Seminar, which was the first. Time that all the people who were involved, uh, you know, on uh, you know, from record stores and independent radio stations and independent press and record companies, little record companies, everyone who had been involved with this whole burgeoning new wave scene got together for the very, very first time. It was in at, at an SIR studio in New York. Wow. We, we all, you know, there was no social media at the time. There were no cell phones. We were all had been writing to each other in letters, wow. and we all got together, and, uh, and the, the, big, the big record companies ignored it completely, but Seymour was smart enough to go to it, and I remember uh, getting up to, to make, a, make a speech, and I got up to the lectern, and I, and I was looking through my notes, getting ready for everybody to sit down, and someone approached me with a note. And put the note on the lectern. And I looked at the, I looked at the note, and it, it said, "I'd like to meet you afterwards," and it was signed Seymour Stein. Wow! And I literally almost passed out. <laughs> I mean, here's a guy I was playing. Well, I was a a, a DJ at a college radio station. I was playing. Every record would have that yin yang, that yellow yin-yang sign. Yeah, the Sire uh, logo. The right? label. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was playing. I was playing all of his records. Um, and, and he wanted to meet me. And, and and that that really did change my life in, in a very significant way. Uh,
0: and, and he had a huge impact on the industry. Now, um, I, I don't know. Was he, was he active in recent years? I know, uh, you know, he was getting up there. No, he wasn't.
1: No, he wasn't. He was, um, you know, he was... No one knows exactly how old he really was. He never. He, uh, he always told people different uh, different dates. But he he, he suppose the according to the New York Times, he would have been 81 next month. Ah, uh-huh. Um. So he was definitely uh, over 80. Let's put it like that. And uh, he, yeah, he he had he had he had he had uh, had a really really um, fun-filled life. Lots and lots of drinking and uh, and drugs and fun of every kind, and uh, he'd be up every night and having uh, you know a bottle of wine at lunch, and mm. uh, you know he really lived life to the fullest. Absolutely lived life to the fullest.
0: Sex and drugs uh, and, and rock and roll. Eventually, rock. that
1: catches up with you, of course. Oh, it does. I don't think I don't think he'd be sorry that he did it. He he had a, he had a great life, um, and he you know. So the last few years of his life, he, he was not uh, really active with, any, um, with, with, with the music with industry music. in any significant way. Although one of the things he loved doing right up until close to the end was traveling around the world and seeing bands in other countries. And, and that's something that I really learned from him in a big way. Uh, that's something that I, I was doing as well. Um, but he would, he'd be, you know, before the K-pop, he was already in Korea, looking at, looking at bands. Uh, he was, he was going to China all the time, trying to find bands in China. Uh, I mean, that was really, you know, that's, I mean, if you look, there were so many bands, on Sire from other countries. They weren't all a bunch of American bands. He was known for signing bands from England, obviously from Canada. Uh he he went all over looking and you know for all over Europe as well finding bands from other countries. Uh and and he was very 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 successful at it.
0: You know, I'm he, looking yeah, I'm just looking at. I pulled up uh, on a Wikipedia a list of sire records artists, and some of them, you know, I've never heard of. But you go down the list, and here it's alphabetical order. So I'm just looking at names, and and um, from uh, well, Belly, which was not very well known, Bare Naked Ladies, which was oh,
1: uh, not very well known. by the masses,
0: record. I love Belly, wrong. I <laughs> love Belly, but they didn't have a major breakthrough hit, but they had a, enough of a success. That, you know, that they, they cut through to a, 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 they weren't a mainstream, they didn't have a top 40 hit, did they?
1: Yeah, they did. Um, Feed the Tree was a top 40 tree. hit. Okay. And like I said, enough enough of, I mean, it wasn't a blockbuster, right. but enough of a hit to have a gold record. Gotcha. Believe me, most bands don't have gold records.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I No, most don't. You know, I'm surprised by some of the names I'm seeing here, too. Bruce Hornsby? Did you know Bruce Hornsby came through Sire?
1: I was the general manager of Sire, and I had never heard that. Oh. I'll, I'll, I, <laughs> let me tell you a funny, a funny thing related to that. Okay. So I get, I get this call one day, uh, and it was, fr- uh, it was from the social secretary at the White House. And uh, a- and I was at Reprise already. I went from Sire to Reprise. And she says, uh, the president uh, wants you to get um, uh, Lou Rawls to come and play uh, at the White House.
0: Okay. What what, what, so, well, what year was me? this, and which president?
1: Oh, it's, I'm sorry. It was Clinton. President oh, okay. Clinton.
0: Okay. Gotcha. All right.
1: So, so uh, Lou Rawls. and I had already met him, and we had, you know, all he wanted really for me was if an introduction to Joni Mitchell and Stevie Nicks. <laughs> so that's what. He, <laughs>
2: of I mean, course. that was
1: literally all he wanted. Oh. But uh, and I had business with him to talk about it, in terms of uh, publishing. Uh, on, on the internet uh, you know, for, for our songs to be published on the internet not just for my company but for the whole music industry they had selected me to go and talk to him Oh, since I knew what you know I, I was one of the only at that time one of the only record company presidents who understood that a computer was not a typewriter Yes, in any case so I had met Clinton and so he remembered me and, and then when he wanted to have Lou Rawls come and play he, called, he had his sec- social secretary to call me and and I said, Well, um I don't know Lou Rawls. No, she help with She said he was on your label. No, Lou Reed right. was
0: on your label.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's what it really came down to because after going back and forth and back and forth, she wouldn't tell me why she wouldn't tell me anything. Just her, her thing was if the president says Lou Rawls was on your label, <laughs> Lou Rawls was on your label. He's the president. And I, I, I'm said, i sorry. Lou Rawls was never on my label. So I said, tell me what this is for. And that took a couple of days before she got back to me finally. And she said, it was, the, it was for its first state dinner for the president of the Czech Republic. I said fine Shut it's up. not Lou, Roles, it's Lou Reed right. because the, president <laughs> of the Czech Republic loves the velvet underground oh, he named his fun. revolution for it and he worshiped Lou Reed so that's what it is so I did set that dinner up and did go to the white house with Lou Reed but that but that was the thing about <laughs> Hornsby I, I don't think he was ever on Sire Records, uh, you know, and would I know? I would probably know.
0: Yeah. Wikipedia has been wrong before. I'm just saying they have them there, but they're the, the, probably not as
1: wrong as, uh, as, as Gpt, but yes,
0: or <laughs> <laughs> not as wrong as chat GPT. Right. How is Hal doing these days?
1: <laughs> Hal is pretty wild. I talked to Hal frequently and you know, he, he, I asked him I was going through some stuff with him today, uh, because you, you, I don't know, did you see that um, uh, that report from? You, I'm sure you did from Maryland about all the, yes, the, the, the all those the church, uh, the... children that had been raped by priests and yes, stuff, right? Yes, just horrible. Right. So I was talking with Chat, I uh, talking with the hell about uh, how it's not just the Catholics, and I and you know he, you can't talk with him about anything that's current, right? Right. He, right. He's, Programming stops at 2021. Right. So, but I said to him, you know, uh, this report came out today and here you get this Pentecostal pastor also today who's arrested for, you know, raping a 14 year old boy uh, or two, two, I think two 14 year old boys, one last week and one this week, uh-huh. or he got arrested last week and again this week. And uh, so I said, is this common among religious people? Is it all, or is it, do we have it everywhere? It's not just Catholics and, and Pentecostals, right? So he went on and on, and he was telling me about um, the Orthodox Jews. Uh, And I had known some of that, but he gave me a wrong name. He gave me a name of a very, very, very famous and revered um, high Jewish guy in Israel who never did anything Anything like that. It was never refused of anything. So he makes mistakes. You have to really check the oh, stuff yes. that Hal gives you.
0: Oh yeah, he's often wrong, and and doesn't yeah. like it when you call him out on it. He apologizes, but he, he does
1: apologize. He apologizes.
0: So yeah. Um, that's, that's interesting. I, I get, you know, I get frustrated easily. Um, and so I retreat to my world of music and yeah, I mean, Paul Westerberg, um, Velvet Underground, as you said, uh, just so many, so many, there were moans. Now we
1: Did we now we didn't have the original Velvet Underground. We, we signed Lou Reed, at, at, you know, and put out the New York album. That was the first album that we put oh, out. Of great New, album. We put out a lot of other great albums too, but the one that had the hit was New York. Right. but. but- and one of the things that we did as a project is we did a reunion album for the velvet underground and they did a tour. So the, the original, you know, Andy Warhol, Lou Reed stuff that didn't come out on sire.
0: Okay. Um, uh, I, no, gotcha. I gotcha. I gotcha. Right.
1: Fans of that, but, but right. we didn't have right. any way to, you know, now, I was in, I was in college at the time. Now,
0: now he's credited Seymour Stein with, with, you know, Madonna, did he discover- oh, He signed Madonna. He, I mean, Madonna he
1: deserves to be credited So that's Madonna. his fault
0: Sorry I, just, I don't understand What she's doing now So Madonna's got this new tour Good for her I guess I, I right. Nothing
1: to do with Seymour Like no. that. that's long Long past long He signed past. her Before she had Had any any. You know Her first record Came out on Sire And you know Se- Seymour had very Very Although he was known As the guy who You know The The, the uh, no, he's a musical progressive who 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 is into alternative rock and punk mm-hmm. and all that. And he's better known for the Ramones. Yes. But, but he liked all kinds of music. And he, he saw something in Madonna. And I used to think, it, it was, you know, I was not a Madonna fan. And I used to think, like, you know, we can put out all these great records because it's all being paid for Madonna. Every one of them <laughs> is being paid for by Madonna.
0: Well, that's how he can do, I guess, Jonathan Richmond and the Modern Lovers, who I adore. I, I, they never had a commercial hit right but most but, of the stuff that
1: we put out didn't have did commercial not. hits
0: right but but then i'm seeing some other names eric hutchinson who was kind of poppy guster i didn't realize came through sire um the english beat you know um, everything but the girl really i mean there's a lot of names on here that i'm i'm really surprised pleasantly surprised but anyway uh does sire still exist as a label
1: uh, I don't think so, but I, I don't know. Right. I, mean, I mean, even if they did it, I mean, so what happened was at one point, Seymour left Warner, Sire had been bought by uh, by Warner Brothers, and eventually uh, everything sort of changed there, and then Seymour went off to uh, Electra with the label, and the label just sort of rapidly disintegrated.
0: Ah, uh, and I guess that's what happens. And, he got me and to then- come
1: with him to Elektra. Uh, and and I said, No, out of the question, I'm saying at Warner Brothers, he said, just give me a chance. Just come and meet the head of Electra. And I and I owed it to him, you know, he had done so much for me, I owed it to him to okay, I'll come and meet the head of Electra. And we we came in to have a meeting, me and me and Seymour and the head of Electra. Who was? And Who wasn't? Well, she's still active uh, in the oh, business. Okay. And I hate that Sylvia? Or yeah.
0: Okay. OK.
1: And uh, so we sit down at this big table in the conference room and it took less than one minute for me to make my decision. <laughs> Literally less than one minute. <laughs> Ouch.
0: Ouch. You know, I, I love I love talking music with you, Howie. And and if you follow Howie Klein on Facebook every now and then, we get a little glimpse and, and on downwithtyranny.com because you post them over there as well. Um, stories that will eventually make their way into your memoir when it's finally released and written. Yes, written
1: and released. It's partially written. And the, and the things that I'm writing about are, are, generally speaking, the musical things I'm writing are, are not all, always, but, but generally they're p- pages from the memoir. I'm, I mean, the person who was helping me to, uh, you know, who's the, sort of the editor of it, she gave me this idea of just, you know, just, just write it and put it, put it up on your blog. Right. And I'm doing that but uh but in the last couple of days since Seymour Sim- died i think on sunday and a couple of uh managers of bands uh, former former managers of, of bands that we had on Sire wrote pieces and I put them up as guest posts and they were both delightful. One of them was, a go- uh, was by a guy named Kevin Sampson. Now Kevin was the manager of a band that never really made it in the U.S. It, he, they, they did make it in England. It was a band called The Farm. They had some really great songs and it, it, unfortunately we couldn't break them in the U.S. We tried hard. We loved them and he was a great guy but after his next life after being a band manager was becoming a novelist and he was a very successful British novelist, uh, with like, uh, you know, 10 books and lots of awards and and he's a great guy and really funny. So he wrote, he wrote one that was hilarious. He, he tells a story that many, many band managers could tell about Seymour. Not, not that they all do, but, you know, so the band would be in New York and, uh, and he would come to see Seymour and then uh, the secretary would motion him to go into Seymour's office, but to be quiet because Seymour was on the phone and he would go in and, and Seymour would say, okay, Madonna, so I'll put you down for tonight plus three. And that was to, you know, that was to impress the manager that Madonna was coming to the show, mm-hmm. and and the, he did that every time the guy would come. He would, Seymour would do the same thing with him and every other manager. And of course, Madonna never never came to the shows, and it was obvious <laughs> to this guy who was very smart that Seymour wasn't speaking to Madonna on the phone oh or my. anybody else. <laughs>
0: Well, I guess you come to expect that from, you know, industry people. You never know what's real and what's Just bullshit.
1: Perhaps. <laughs> but in any case, so that story by Kevin Sampson on, on Down with Tyranny is, is, is very good. It's a very, very, very good story. And then the next day, I had one by the first manager of the Bare Naked Ladies, ah. who and all he did was talk about um, eating dinners out with Seymour over the years in different countries. Oh, and, wow. and that was cute, too.
0: Wow. Okay. Oh, funny. Wow. Okay. Nigel
1: Best is his name.
0: Nigel Best. Okay. Well, I'll have to check those out. And you can find them at downwithtyranny.com. And any idea when the book will be coming or you're just going to keep writing and assembling stories?
1: I'm just writing. You know, one of the things that was holding me back a little bit was Seymour because obviously he's an important character in my life and uh, it, it, it's difficult to write about him. Uh, it's a mul- such a multifaceted relationship that went on for so many years and it was very, very, very t- tough to write about him. And now it's, now I can write about him.
0: You know, um, not too long ago, we lost um, who, Lenny uh, Warnicker from Warner Brothers, who was
1: no, 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 oh, no. Lenny is Oh, Lenny's still alive. Kevin, he's Russ, great. Who, you mean Mo Austin. Mo
0: Austin. Mo Austin, who everybody revered. Who was uh, again? I never, I didn't know Mo, but I only heard the most amazing things about him. Like he was a real artist. Guy. That's why artists like to come on on Warner Brothers labels, because because you had a music guy who cared about the artist at the helm. Um, Not all record executives are like that. He was more the exception than the rule.
1: I would say that that is true. Mo was one of the greatest guys I ever met. I, and to say, I mean, he was an artist guy rather than a music guy. Right. Okay. Like he he was absolutely an artist guy, and the artists did adore him. He he had been Frank Sinatra's uh, closest uh, uh, associate. Frank Sinatra started Reprise and Mo ran it for him. Um, and he he was he was awesome and and everything that was great about warner brothers was all about mo austin he 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 it was his values that were that formed the dna of warner brothers records
0: got it so when people talked about mo austin they talked about him and what a great person he was with seymour stein was it more about his ears like he knew how to pick like find music
1: uh he knew how to find music yes absolutely
0: Okay. And I guess, you know, we'll wait for the book to hear the other stories and I I get what you're saying. I used to say, you know, I, I, that I I never felt like I could tell, you know, real stories and uh, used to be on Mark and Brian while my father was alive because I didn't, I didn't want any of it to get back to him. So,
1: (laughs) you know, the thing about, uh, you know, Mo was awesome. And I'm sure among his friends, what I'm about to say wasn't, wasn't it's just what I'm saying, it's not what they would say, but if you wanted to have a good time and have a hilarious laugh and just live it up, you went out with Seymour Stein. <laughs> okay. If you wanted to, you know, be in the in the company of, like, someone who was really, like, you know, really, really wise and had an amazing uh, sense of values, you might uh, spend some time with Mo Austin.
0: Gotcha. Well, I've seen lots of stories posted around social media this week. Uh, Seymour Stein had a huge impact on a lot of people, and certainly the music of my youth when I was just getting into radio. So much came through Sire, and I know that logo so well. And Talking Heads... Pretenders, um, still two of my favorite. Ramones, still some of my favorite bands. All these yeah. years later, Howie Klein. All right, we're, we've reached. We, we've gone beyond the end of the hour. Thank you for for going down there with me and and getting my mind off of the ugliness of politics today. Because it, really yes,
1: it, it right didn't we just leave that? We left that behind for about twenty minutes. <laughs> we did.
0: We really did. And I'm smiling now. I'm not going to open. I, I made the mistake of during that opening the. The, the 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 window with the 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 thing in Tennessee still going on they're still reaming this poor woman and the you know the comments things like send her to Gitmo like what <laughs>
1: I... how dare she be uh, against gun massacres
0: that's right send her to Gitmo lock her up Ugh, god okay sorry I shouldn't have gone there I'm gonna go listen to music as I cook dinner Enjoy. Thank you. Howie Klein, always a pleasure. Talk to you later. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Uh, and there you go. Howie Klein. And uh, Sorry, I had, I had to get away from politics. A- and I did want to talk to Howie about Seymour Stein because he was a giant in the business. Um, and, and Howie is being respectful because he just died. And we'll hear some stories when a little time goes by, I'm sure. All right. With that, we're done. Tomorrow is Friday. Tomorrow... Oh, good timing. Barry Lynn will be here. Now, you probably know Barry Lynn. He's been on my show. He's been, he's been everywhere. Barry Lynn is the former president of Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Um, he's got a new book out, and uh, he'll be our guest tomorrow. All right, so uh, with that, we're done. I, you know I have two stories to tell you about that I haven't had the chance to deal with this week. Um, one of them is sad. One of them was, um, emotional, but it's a good story. And maybe I can get to them tomorrow, uh, before Barry Lynn comes on. We'll see. One of these days, I'll tell you all about them. All right. With that, we're done. I'll leave you with the news. I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening, everyone. Oop. Thank you for bearing with my, um, um, you know, my moods. Oh, and that, I just pulled it up and it was that... Yeah, she's she's Gloria Johnson. You know what? Let me turn this on for you for a minute. Gloria Johnson is the second of the Tennessee Three, who they are expelling from the Tennessee oh, state God. legislature because they dared, dared to, uh, to stand with the protesters against gun violence. The guns from never getting to the schoolhouse doors. And
3: that is why... I walked to the front with my colleagues who felt the same because their generation is a generation that has come up in this gun violence. I'm going to stand with them.
0: I've seen it. I've heard them. All right, so you I hear what she's saying. Work- she's talking about gun violence. That's what this whole thing was about. You'll look at the chat. Here are some of the comments, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not editing. I'm going to read down the screen. Goodbye, Fat. She's a little heavy. Really? Goodbye, fat. Get her out. She's MacGyver. Now she's talking about Columbine, really off the rails. Could be mania or schizophrenia. You heard her, right? Bye, Karen. Uh someone don't you all just love all this feel good BS? Someone else. Oh puke. This gas bag thinks we are stupid um voter out rules are rules this was intimidation voter out now these are the same people who by the way say you know january 6th was just a a tourist day at the capitol this is what they do this is what they do attacking second amendment get her out unreal i just can't anymore so i won't i'll see you tomorrow thanks for listening everyone bye
2: it's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network.
0: Well, isn't this typical Republican hypocrisy? The former president, Trump, called on Republicans to defund the police as investigations continue around him. He's only echoing other far-right Republicans who last summer suggested defunding the FBI after agents found classified documents at Trump's home that should have been turned over to the National Archives. Well, the former guy posted on his fake Twitter platform Wednesday, quote, Republicans in Congress should defund the DOJ and FBI until they come to their senses. Huh? Trump pleaded not guilty on Tuesday to 34 felony charges of falsifying business records to cover up a $130,000 hush payment to porn star Stormy Daniels. And now Trump's proposal to defund the FBI and the Department of Justice marks kind of a reversal for Republicans who in recent years have blasted calls from some on the left to defund local police departments. Meanwhile, despite warnings from the judge to both sides not to engage in any inflammatory speech, Trump continues to do just that. After lobbing insults and accusations at the judge and his family, specifically targeting his adult daughter because she dared to work on the Biden-Harris campaign, Judge Juan Merchan has received threats. Go figure. Trump called Mershon a, quote, Trump-hating judge and worse. Well, after fighting efforts to get him to testify— For years now, former Vice President Mike Pence finally says he won't appeal the latest order for him to testify in special counsel Jack Smith's investigation of the former guy and his efforts to reverse his loss in the 2020 election. Pence's lawyers had argued that the Constitution's speech and debate clause, which protects lawmakers from having to testify about their work as elected officials, should apply to Pence since he was acting as Senate president when Congress met to certify Biden's electoral victory on January 6, 2021. Pence's account of the then president's actions leading up to this coup attempt could provide critical firsthand testimony in Trump's prosecution and should have come a long time ago. Just saying. So we knew that Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas has been openly defying ethics rules. But a new report from ProPublica this morning shows even more corruption from the justice and his MAGA activist wife, Ginny Thomas. Some of the shocking revelations? Well, for more than 20 years, Clarence Thomas has accepted luxury vacations virtually every year from Dallas businessman and Republican mega-donor Harlan Crow. The Thomases have vacationed on Crow's super yacht around the globe. They fly on Crow's private jet. Thomas has gone with Crow to the Bohemian Grove, the exclusive California all male retreat, and to Crow's sprawling ranch in eastern Texas. And Thomas typically spends about a week every summer at Crow's private resort in the Adirondacks. None of these trips have ever appeared on Thomas's financial disclosures. His failure to report these flights appear to violate a law passed after Watergate that requires justices, judges, and members of Congress and federal officials to disclose those gifts. Though Thomas didn't respond to ProPublica's questions, in a statement, Crow acknowledged that he'd extended, quote, hospitality to Thomas and his wife over the years, but said that Thomas never asked for any of it, and it was, quote, no different from the hospitality we have extended to our many other dear friends. The Republican megadonor continued, quote, we've never sought to influence Justice Thomas on any legal or political issue. <laughs> yeah, right. We'll just take your word for that. Or not moving right along, students around the country have participated in organized walkouts this week protesting gun violence and the government's, well, actually Republicans' unwillingness to do anything to prevent these mass shootings. Earlier this week in Tennessee, three state representatives, Democrats, stood with the protesters who filled the Capitol. So today, the Republican supermajority is going to hold a vote to expel those three elected Democrats, Representatives Gloria Johnson of Knoxville, Justin Jones of Nashville, and Justin Pearson of Memphis. Expel them from the State House of Representatives as punishment for joining in a gun control demonstration in the House chamber. Representative Jones spoke to CNN on Wednesday and said, quote, it's morally insane that a week after a mass shooting took six precious lives in my community here in Nashville. My colleagues on the other side of the aisle, their first action is not to take actions to rein in this proliferation of weapons of war in our streets, but it's to expel their colleagues for standing with our constituents. Just insane. Oh, there's so much more today. From the one-step-up and two-steps-back files, Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan officially repealed a near-century-old abortion ban that fueled one of the largest ballot drives in Michigan history. So thank you, Governor Whitmer. That action is necessary because, well, here's the two steps back. Governor Brad Little of Idaho signed a law banning minors from traveling out-of-state for abortions without parental consent that creates a new felony crime called, quote, abortion trafficking. And in North Carolina, a newly elected state representative named Tricia Cotham went from pushing to codify abortion rights to joining the party that's taking them away. Yep, Cotham switched political parties to give the Republicans a veto-proof majority it will now use to thwart the Democratic governor, Roy Cooper. One wonders how long... Trisha Cotham has been planning this and whether or not the Democrats in North Carolina can mount a recall. It's worth looking into. And finally, just in time for Good Friday and Easter, over 150 Catholic priests and others associated with the Archdiocese of Baltimore sexually abused more than 600 children over the past 80 years. This new state report says, quote, the staggering pervasiveness of the abuse itself underscores the culpability of the church hierarchy. Wow. Oh, but happy Easter. I guess. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is listener supported and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com and please click on that donate button.